and welcome to Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. Let's get back into our conversation about mixed race representation on Trek with our dear friend, Joshua Den. Enjoy. Well, can yeah. we, can we, is this a good time <laughs> to go into ZL more? Because I thought what was interesting is a couple of days ago, you did share that little blip about uh, production and the writing about how you know they were they oh, were yeah. deciding we need to kill somebody off let's pick zl yeah uh that was they called her a, a puppy. puppy i thought that was icky mm. okay here i've got the quote this is from david weddle he's one of the writers it was uh him and iris Stephen bear and hans hans beimler and i will say that like in general i do like iris Stephen bear i like his approach to ds9 i think he was really trying to push boundaries and he was he was fighting a lot of the good fights uh with the studio that said this is some fucked up shit so david weddle says we had to get her to a point where it would matter to the audience besides mattering to ducat so we began to work with ZL to try to make her a better puppy as it were I mean, um, there are worse ways he could have worded that. Not many. Not, no, <laughs> no, it's really, it's really bad. It's so bad. I right. God, that also makes following that whole arc like that for me. That just takes the gravitas out of like her being executed. Like, yeah, why, it's you literally set her up for this trope. Like, like yeah. not, not for any, like, real good reason. And it did not need to be that character. They built up, they were like, hmm, hmm. Ya- oh, oh, we got this, we got this uh, illegitimate mixed person. Let's kill them off. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, but we got to make the audience like before. them. Let's recast mm-hmm. them for the 500th time. Right? And, yeah, work on that. They cast <laughs> her, what, three? They recast her three times? I yeah. So I can't remember. If yeah, there's very, three, very three different actors. Fourth actress. So um, fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but like, like we didn't already like her. Like Zial is so sweet, and she's been fucked over so much, and you just want her to win. Mm-hmm. Like, she's so kind, and like she's trying to use her mixed heritage to bring people together, which is very sweet. But also, like, we're not the solution to racism. Mm-hmm. No matter how much people want to say that, we're not. But like she's she's doing she's trying, you know, to do a thing. And she's also like blossoming in the face of adversity and like always so optimistic. And like they could have written her to like become his adversary. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? Like what if they had written her to be like the new face of the Bajoran rebellion and she's looking her dad in the face and being like, you remember when you tried to kill me because you're racist? Mm. You know, like now I'm now I am choosing. We don't ever the side uh, the, of the oppressed instead of the side of the mm-hmm. oppressor, and I'm gonna stand on the front lines with my brothers and sisters who are from Bajor who have been oppressed yeah. to shit, and I'm gonna get you because fuck you. Well, and I think you could <laughs> yeah. say she doesn't have to be anti-Cardassian, even if she's yes. anti her father. Like I, I think, yes, she can be totally anti. Yeah, I, I do think you guys are bringing up a good point about having to pick sides, and yes, I think uh, that would have been a very interesting dynamic 
for her. Mm-hmm. I, I think when they started to go in that final arc, when they casted the last actress, they wanted to get her involved with Garrick. Which, by the way, like, if they had killed Garrick, people would have been pissed. And he's not a puppy. You know, people just, like, yeah. Yeah. you just, you make a character a good character. You don't try yeah. to write to make them a disposable character. I mean, character. people lost their shit when they killed Tuvix on Voyager, and he was only in one episode. Mm. Anyway. I always had a problem with ZL because Deep Space Nine, I had a huge crush on Garrick, uh, which I've mentioned before. I'm dressed as him in our artwork, if you even see it. And um, so when I knew about ZL and the fact that she was coming, I was like, stay away from him. He's mine and kind of Bashir's, but mostly mine. But I, I always felt like she was the most interesting. I think it's Return to Grace when they're just all on that freighter. And she's mm-hmm. a little, she's a little younger in that episode, that actress, and a little bit more, a little bit more naive. But you know, I love that scene between her and Kira, where she's like, "Yeah, try to." She gives her a knife and says, "Try to, try to attack me with a knife. I know what I'm doing." And Kira, of course, <laughs> hands her her ass, and yeah. Kira <laughs> says, uh, "Hey, best way to get out of a knife fight is don't get into a knife fight." And I yeah. thought she was an interesting ingredient, an interesting catalyst for Kira and Takat's relationship. I thought her, uh, but like, I, I just never felt like they knew exactly what they were doing with her. Like they, they yes, never yes. gave her, Aziel, her due diligence as far as developing her as a character. It was always what can yeah. she do for other parts of the show? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's yes. like, 100%. I feel like there's like a million layers to that too because yes. you have like the, like the sexist layer of that where you have, you know, basically this woman character who is basically written to just serve other people's interests. And then also the, the intersection of like racism and like her basically like also being like Bajoran representative because that had to be a thing. And she has to do all the work for that and to like make, like make her dad suck less. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like right? there's just it's like all of this like layer upon layer of just work that she had to do as a character and she was yes. written that way and it's like yeah Doug you could have had like so many other characters on the show mm-hmm. fulfill so many of those roles and have like these storylines where she could just be a fucking person yes 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 they like literally wrote work for her to do mm-hmm. yeah. and and what that's doing to the audience then is like teaching them that like it's up to us to bring together the two warring cultures that we come from. It's up to us to make the peace happen. Like we are the best people for that job. And that's not true. Yeah. Like they're, they're just like throwing all this work on her and she's just, and she's also so optimistic and happy to do it all the time. She's just like, I'm so happy to do it. Please come see my, come to dinner with my dad. I just really want you guys to get along. It's like, <laughs> yeah, big old fuck that. I'm so over that phase of my life. <laughs> fuck no fuck no yeah and she's always something to someone else she's always Ducat's daughter she's always Kira's friend she's always Garrick's kind of girlfriend love interest but yeah, yeah, kind never, of? <laughs> which also just started the, another conversation of like wait how old is Garrick and some of these characters we're getting confused but um, yeah. Yeah. oh I was gonna say she was never really allowed to stand on her toe, own two feet a hundred percent. I feel like yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. 
Um, I will say that I don't necessarily understand the romantic aspect of it, but I do understand her gravitating toward wanting to be friends with Garrick because she's alone and he's the only Cardassian on the station, you know? So like that, that to me felt very true. And And I, and I agree with that. Like, I, I think that had potential. I just, again, it's like, we're reaching for that but we just don't quite i mean even when she dies garrick is just like too bad (laughs) so sad uh too bad (laughs) grieving is done (laughs) um yeah well because i think like kind of what like we're getting at there is like that like Oh, we have two people, the only two people in this entire show who happen to be uh, compatible in a romantic way who are representing their, like, representing a species of some kind. Will they, won't they? (laughs) (laughs) Right, Uh, right. Where it's like that, like, the, like, you know, like the two black people in a movie are the ones who are going to be, like, going to get together, which. Right, right. There's just so many, there's just so many layers to it. Cause it's like, yes. There is that part where I'm like, I get it. Like, I mean, I, you know, just thinking about like Larissa and me at parties when that was a thing that could happen. Like it's Aww, get, parties. get <laughs> sad parade. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, like, you know, I think like it's pretty much inevitable that we're, you know, if we're at a party and it's like majority white people, probably all of the brown people found each other and we're now hanging out on my porch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, I, I, I seem to remember that being every party at your house uh, ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say though, that like if they had made the, the Garrick and Zial relationship platonic, that would be so much it, better. Wouldn't that have mm-hmm. been great if it had, if it had been like, Hey, uh, we're the only two Cardassian people. And like, maybe we can like sit on some hot rocks together. Cause like nobody else wants to do that with me. Yeah. Like I can be like, Hey, Hey, my Filipino friends, can we get together and make lumpia? Because we all know how, <laughs> and and then we can all do impressions of our moms. Like it's <laughs> it's like that <laughs> that feel, that need to like have to share culture with somebody who shares your culture. Yeah. Like that is that as a mixed race person, I relate to you really hard. Mm-hmm. But like, why they gotta be? Why she had to fall? Like they can love each other without wanting to be romantically involved. You know? Yeah, but they can do that too, though. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I love Josh and I love Lauren, but like, you guys, I don't really, I don't really want to like, sleep with that. Damn it. I just want. Uh, Well, that just ruins everything. (laughs) All right, so. All right, so Larissa's out of the podcast. It's just you and me now. Okay, (laughs) bye. Uh, I don't know. It's just yeah. a shame to me because I feel like this is a thing like, you know, Star Trek as a, as a show, like a, as a whole for a very long time, has tried to dig in at some pretty important problems and like general like societal things that we we ought to be paying attention to. Yes. And it just misses the mark so many times. And it's really it, it's really a shame more than anything, because it's like so close to just greatness. And it's yes, but then it's like so close, but so far. And I think like in the in these conversations about race, I think you know one of the inherent problems, which you know y'all brought up hard, and get they're 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 inching closer, mm-hmm. they're inching closer right. 
Like it's like okay, right. okay, let's do another Star Trek series. Like let's do another another station, and maybe we can get this right. Maybe possibly, let's do that yes. 2024 reboot of something where right actually species are multifaceted, and I don't know, maybe there are like characters that aren't just their race. <laughs> like right. I mean, every iteration has has pushed it a little farther. Yeah. And I will say that, like, Star Trek probably was, I mean, Star Trek was the first time I saw people on TV who were, like, actually represented in their characters as mixed race. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I had never seen, like, a character on t- on any show before that was like, I'm mixed race. And mm. this is, par- this is, like, part of my identity and who I am. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. Every iteration since then has, like, pushed push boundaries but then at the same time other things have caught up and then surpassed yes yeah you know what yes, i'm saying I agree. Yeah. so like of course like yeah. it's it's really cool that dr flox is poly you know yeah. but like where where else can we go now like it took until discovery to have a gay couple a, and two cis male people in a homosexual relationship yeah. on star trek it took until discovery for that to happen whatever fucking will and grace happened before that you know what i'm saying (laughs) i'm Um, rolling my eyes too josh i'm like i mean yes it's not yes but all i'm saying is that like there were other shows have done this like other shows shows have have done done so much and it's like star trek is you know supposedly in this you know relatively you know future harmonious universe where you know you know, we as humanity have fixed a lot of problems. Well, and I think too, what kind of uh, makes it a tad more painful is the fact that when the original series happened, uh, Star Trek did have some heavy episodes. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. That was the first interracial kiss. Was yeah, yes, yeah. was on Star Trek. Yeah, and yeah. it was also not consensual. It well, yeah. yeah. That, see, it was- I think that was a writing thing where they were like, the yeah. only way we're gonna get this on the air is if there's some alien forcing yeah. them to which you're, you're right that adds its own thing um <laughs> to both of them wasn't it non-consensual to both of them just to be fair it was who... yeah it was non-consensual for yes. both of them yes and and no matter how we all feel about shatner it is partially because of him that that kiss made it onto tv because yeah. he ruined every take that didn't have the kiss in it because he he just did, he just felt like his character would do that would would like make sure that happened yeah i that is a level of spite and pettiness that i can get behind uh, oh, fucking shatner like, sometimes you know but when they allies <laughs> in, allies if, in general if you're if you're listening ruin all your takes so representation happens right just go <laughs> ahead ruin your takes do it uh, but but for that to be such like a a moment you know in history and yes. then, like yeah. you guys i completely agree uh to have it slow down kind of and have things surpass it the fact yes. that Star yeah. Trek did such a, a had a big moment when it came to that culturally and in the media and then to sort of almost put the brakes on it in later things was yeah it's a little yeah, yeah. and like I said they, they would like flirt with it and try but there was always some sort of like uh, you know they'd, they'd always Para- paramount executive getting in the way <laughs> or uh Rick Berman. <laughs> yeah. Uh. It's it's like there were 
in in anything that gets as big as Star Trek has become, there are going to be people in power that want control over stuff and want it to be a certain way. And I think that um, there have definitely been people within the confines of Star Trek that have been doing a great job at at making sure that representation happens or doing their best to make sure that representation happens, writing stories that mm-hmm. are portraying real people and not monolithic uh, representations of people. Um, and then there are going to be misses. And that's that's totally understandable that there are going to be misses. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the fact that we're even talking about this, the fact that Star Trek has been trying is in itself important. Yeah. Like the fact that they made made an effort is important because there were so there are so many uh people in in entertainment and media that are not making an effort at all. Yeah. In any way. Yeah. You know, like zero percent effort. For sure. And um, and like and the fact that they're hiring a black female director directing Picard. Like that's great. Yeah. So I agree with everything you just said with an asterisk and that, you know, something that I, I find problematic in just like allyship and particularly what I'll, what I'll, I guess is like referred to as like performative allyship is that, yes, that representation is important, but it has to go into the systems of how it's made. Like, which yes. which is which is kind of what you were alluding to um like you know having directors and stuff but it needs to go further than that it needs to be some of the exact like basically the people who are greenlighting some of this shit that also need to be from more backgrounds than rich white dude um <laughs> and like yes, yes. because like even even though you know yes like you know a black director is going to be able to push more boundaries and honestly probably have more expertise in working with the system anyways, just because yeah, the hoops that had to have been jumped through just to get there. That said, you know, there's still the power of general like systemic home policing of, you know, any kind of representation. Like it, it goes in like race, be it racial, sex, sexuality, gender. It, it's the, and I think, you know, you know, you talked about, um, how you know start like how always a little bit pushing the boundaries and you know trying like always trying a big part of that is because of that lack of system like support for any of the other voices to be heard and seen and also be told by the people who are i don't know maybe more experts on it than you know yeah. your fucking white male like mm-hmm. writer trying to like write a nuanced like third generation mixed race female character <laughs> Right. Maybe not right. the best person to write those stories. I don't know. Yes. I, yes. Exactly. I I'm I'm totally on that page with you. Yeah. I just think it's important to elaborate because like so many people think, oh, I see the brown person. They did the work. Hooray! Racism's done. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's ho- not. Oh, honey, it, it's a process. We're not even close. We're not even not it's even close. Ju- it's a journey it's a process there is not gonna be a singular moment in which racism is done we beat it that will not there will not there's no omega particle that will just 
<laughs> magically make racism disappear. It's, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so <laughs> that doesn't exist. I think what I what I mean about that was that like the franchise of Star Trek in general seems to be making a continuous effort. Yeah. And that is that is important. Like there are like you said a lot of shows and movies and and media and stuff where people will be like here's a person. Look, we did it. Okay, mm. all done. And <laughs> and that's and that's it. Yeah. You know, but like but a a franchise like Star Trek is is trying to do it all the time. Yeah. And and I do also think with this new these new iterations, especially with Discovery, they're doing it and they're not asking to be congratulated, which is nice. Yeah. Like they're just doing it. Yes. And they're not like, look what we did. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Do we get a word? Give me a give me a piece of cake. I want cake now because I did it and I worked Is hard. Is it cake? Yeah. <laughs> Is it cake? <laughs> Well, yeah. To Josh's point, I, 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 that kind of uh, echoes some of the things I was thinking of where we do have evidence, especially with the internet now, that some people, whether it was a freelance writer who submitted a script or somebody who was a showrunner, wanted to push things like designed by committee. I think as creatives, you guys as music, uh, musicians and myself as an illustrator, where we work on projects where there's so many layers of people. There's you, there's the art director, there's this you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's this person, this person, this person is that, you know, sometimes there's a lot of roadblocks and I agree, like you got to get people in there of different experiences and backgrounds on many levels and communities. Um, because what happened to Zial or what happened in this episode, blah, 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 isn't just because of like one thing. It was a yeah. very organic web of issues and problems and, yeah, it, it just sucks when you do have something that's good and it goes through the filter yeah. of studio execs or something and it what comes out is sort of a a shallow representation of maybe what was mm. a more progressive idea. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Like you can't just clip like one little part of the web and expect the entire thing to fall apart. You know, like the whole web has to change. Yeah. Like the whole thing has to come yeah. down and... And on every level, like you said, like both of you said, on every level, there has to be representation so that when those ideas do go through that web and do go through that filter, that the people who are green lighting it are like, that is real. That's a real idea yeah. right there. That's a real thing. And uh, it, it needs to go all the way. Mm -hmm. It needs to go all the way there. And we're going to make sure that it goes all the way there. Like, we're not going to interfere with it because we know that that's what this needs. That's that that like. When I was a kid, I wanted to see that. When I was a kid, I I, I would have benefited from seeing that, you know? Um, and that's that's a thing that, you know, like a whole bunch of white male executives are not going to think is important yeah. because they didn't need it. It doesn't matter to them. Right. You know, it doesn't affect them. So even people like the three of us that are talking about this right now in the higher reaches of of like widely distributed media like Star Trek that that can be like, yes, um, no, that's horrible. No, absolutely not. Code of Honor <laughs> oh, should never God. have been made. You know, like, <laughs> and the worst part is that is one where a lot of people were as they were filming it were saying, I don't think we should this be doing this, bad. and it still got through. Oh my God, 
You guys, I just read an interview with Gates McFadden, and she said that she went to the executives after they shot Code of Honor, and she was like, it's terrible, it's racist, you shouldn't air it, and then they fired her. That's one of the reasons she got fired. Yay! And I was like, I fucking thought I couldn't love you any more than I already did? (laughs) And uh, I just fell in love with you even deeper. I uh, don't recommend anyone go back and watch that that episode. Don't watch Code of Honor. Never watch it. Never watch that episode. Yeah, I... Um, I, Also... Also, probably Angel One. Don't watch Angel One either. Right, because I want to love. I want to love you so much, and I do. But oh, we gotta talk about your faults, honey. <laughs> like, yeah, we do. Well, and that's the thing is that I I do want to like remind our listeners that like if we didn't care about Star Trek, we would not be having this conversation about it. You know, <laughs> like like I only want to talk about how they did this wrong because I hope that they do it better in the future because Mm -hmm. I love Star Trek so much Mm -hmm. because, because again, I'm going to say this again. This was the first time I saw mixed race characters portrayed on television ever. Mm. This is the first time I I heard it talked about ever that conversation with Deanna and Kalar in the hallway. That was the first time I, I heard two mixed race people have a two mixed race characters because they're not mixed race people, but mixed race characters have a conversation about their backgrounds on television. And that conversation, I remember hearing it for the first time, and I remember it being important to me. And and we haven't even brought up Molly, but, you know, Miles and Keiko's uh, daughter. Oh, my God. Yeah, like you. You guys, I forgot about Molly. (laughs) Well, I don't want to distract too much from your point, but I just remember you telling me how much that meant to you. Yeah, yeah. Like she's, I mean, she's half Asian. Even though, like, the way that they did Asians on, we could, we could go into that. But yes, yes, like, Molly, I, I loved Molly. Um, I was like, oh, yay, it's a little girl like me. I don't know, that might have been, that might have been the first time that I saw representation like that, period, like, at all. Because, like, it's one thing to have, you know, the idea of mixed race people on a thing like be like it'd be this like foreign idea of like talking about interspecies like breeding and then like yeah having like oh shit oh i know people who look like that that's cool yeah uh miles and keiko were were like oh my family looks like that yes i hadn't seen that yeah i had never seen that in a cereal commercial i'd never seen that in a you know and nobody's questioning it because in the future in star trek they're just two humans that married each other Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, again, mankind had, for the most part, gotten their shit together. And so, because I remember even us two talking, Larissa, and I said, I don't know if my childhood brain is just forgetting this, but I felt like when they presented Miles and Keiko, it was just like a non-issue. You know, another show in the 90s handling that would have had an episode where, like, Keiko's mom, like, comes on the ship and is... If you know, angry yeah, they that make a huge fucking Miles deal, yeah. doesn't understand, you know, something about Japanese culture or something like that. Like they never went there. It was just I appreciated how normalized it was looking yeah. back as a kid. Yes. That it was just like, yeah, what yeah, this is just the way it is. Yes, yes, yeah. This is just because like that's just the way it it is for me. It's just it's normal because that's my family. Yeah. My family is my family. Yeah, they're not putting like a big spotlight on it. <laughs> they're not putting yeah, they're not wrapping a bow around the car and being like, "Hey." <laughs> like they're they're just like 
<laughs> here's some people. That's that's really really important, and I I do I do think that no matter how people feel about Miles and Keiko, because people have feelings about Miles and Keiko, mm-hmm. and people have a lot of feelings about Keiko's wedding dress and her wedding hat. Also, oh, if you've never seen her wedding hat, go on the internet and find her fucking wedding hat that no one has ever wanted to wear. It's amazing. I mean, that whole outfit uh, is just a travesty, but that's. It's overwhelming. It's incredible. Have you ever uh, wanted to wear iridescent plastic? Like it's now not I do. Cloth. <laughs> it's not. It is in that costume book I have. I need to read up about it. But but like that was that was a big deal for me getting to mm. to see you guys. Representation is important. It it's like how like Whoopi Goldberg saw Nichelle Nichols on the original series and she was like wow we exist in the future we have a place in the future like we belong in the future like we are still going to be there that's that's important and that's in particular how important science fiction is specifically in this kind of representation especially futuristic science fiction yeah if you're if you're not showing me that i still exist in 400 Mm. years what does that say to me Mm -hmm. as a kid Mm -hmm. you know like what does that say to me as a child watching a show where like there nobody nobody in the future looks like me it it looks like it looks like i don't belong there that's a big deal yeah like watching watching a, a future uh utopia where it's just white people you know that's yeah. a, that's a really strong message so like like science fiction i mean in particular i think science fiction is really important when it when it comes to being able to talk about things like this because you can put things in a in a different context you can look at things from a different angle and 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 uh open your mind to new possibilities because that's what science fiction is for yeah so i i mean i i feel like that's why i'm i'm so hard on star trek yeah. You know, because because you have a responsibility as a franchise that that is depicting a utopic view of the future. You have a responsibility to show us that we belong there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why this kind of deviates a little bit from Star Trek and more like so I'm really into like, you know, a lot of the fiction that I consume, like science fiction is like in like the Afrofuturism like kind of genre. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yep. you know, I really latch onto a lot of that stuff because you know I, I i see representations that you know sound like me in yes. ways that no other media doesn't and it's kind of it, it's and i think you know i that's just part of like the african-american diaspora a little bit is because a lot of us are mixed for a lot of reasons um and so like body type representation and everything like that you know we all got a cut like everyone's got a cousin who looks like me somewhere like it's kind of one of those things like that even though i it's not necessarily fiction that's written you know about the mixed experience i still find more representation there more real honest representation there than I do in stuff like Star Trek, which, you know, is just a lot of these, like, problematic allegories to, like, alluding to mixed race things. And, and like, kind of going back to, you know, your, your point, that's why 
I think about these things with Star Trek because it's it could be so good. And I mean, there's so, so much good stuff in Star Trek. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not here like what two hours into talking about Star Trek because I hate it. <laughs> like, <laughs> a, like, but also like it could be so much better than it is. Yes. Yes. I just want to touch on that very briefly. That is really an interesting point about the fact that a lot of us are are mixed race for a lot of different reasons. And that's an important thing to think about. Like a lot of us have violence in our ancestry. And there is not a depiction of that with the exception kind of of Zial. But even that, like her parents still loved each other. It's all like mm. we were two people that loved each other and wanted to have a baby together. There is no other depiction of like what especially being mixed race in America looks like um, and what it feels like when you like hear people talking about ancestry.com and stuff and being like, well, fuck that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah. fuck that. Because mm -hmm. like, I don't I don't know if you read Caroline Randall Williams's New York Times op-ed. I mean, if you haven't, hi, listener, if you haven't read it, go read it, uh, read it immediately but just just the fact that like there there again is a very um like sort of one note expression of of that in star trek um is disappointing and i would love to see some i would love to see some more like i even said at the end of this uh when i wrote this this thing um at the end, I was it was before Discovery came out, and I was wondering if uh, Michael Burnham was going to be part Vulcan because it, they were like alluding to her being connected to Vulcan culture in the trailers. It turns out she's adopted. That's great. I I was like, oh, are we gonna get another Black Vulcan? <laughs> Finally, and we didn't. Uh, and I we still have not had any <laughs> any more mixed race characters hybrid alien human or alien alien characters on on any of the new star trek mm -hmm. so um i'm just like i'm just gonna like put out there into the world and maybe like alex kurtzman or like michael shabon will hear me and they'll be like what if we hire a mixed race writer and we have them write a mixed race character on picard or on discovery that would be cool or like maybe it maybe what this means is I just need to start writing fanfic. I don't know. Oh, then you then your work can get stolen by a white guy. Oh, <laughs> awesome! Uh, I have I've been waiting for that opportunity. <laughs> well, are yeah. you are you guys hanging in there? Yeah, I'm doing yeah. great. Okay, I've, I just want to make sure because I kind of felt like this might be an interesting time. Uh, are we going to talk about Spock? Oh, shit. We didn't even fucking talk <laughs> about Spock, you guys. Right, we talked go. about mixed race let's characters the well, whole, like for two and a half hours, and we haven't even talked about Spock. Because, wait, That's Larissa. not logical. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, because Larissa, I have to actually correct myself on something, because when I read your article originally, A Woman on Warp, for some reason, I thought you didn't have Spock. And then when I went back to read it, I'm like, oh, no, she mentioned Spock. But I remember yeah, Spock was my first, I know, the first time I, I list. know, but yeah. I remember having interesting conversations with you after the fact about how mm. there were other hybrid characters 
that were more kind of uh, relative and potent to the points you're making because Spock was passing. And I think that mm-hmm. is a really important thing to talk about because I think a lot of people come from backgrounds of duality. It may not be racial, but it may be um, other things. Even, for instance, like you and I had a really, I think, interesting conversation about how, oh, like I married into a Jewish family. And now I have children who, even if we don't practice that, to some people, they will always be half Jewish and come from that. Mm -hmm. And Mm. you and I had kind of like talked about what it's like to be part of communities that feel threatened, especially with the uprising of current events. Um, And so Mm -hmm. for me, a lot of the anti-Semitic behavior was very jarring, even though Mm. I'm not Jewish, my husband doesn't practice, but just the fact that that's in our background we know for some people that's enough. But mm-hmm. I was yeah. very quick when we were talking to say, however, when I walk out the door, people don't know that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. my whiteness is definitely a luxury and a privilege and a shield mm-hmm. for me. And so, you know, one of the things that we were talking about with Spock and other hybrid characters is is that sort of shield where, you know, and you brought up Troy, like, unless you really mm-hmm. look at her eyes, you don't know that she's half betazoid unless she volunteers that information. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, she Troy could be betazoid passing or human passing. Like Troy is fine anywhere in in either culture. Spock is totally Vulcan passing. Like he he if you don't know that he's that his mom is human, then you don't then you wouldn't know that he's part human. On the show, they treat him like he's full Vulcan. Yeah. Um, and they only like talk about there there are a handful of episodes and the 2009 movie where they talk about his upbringing and they actually show uh, a few times like what it was like for him growing up on Vulcan yeah. and I think that portrayal is really interesting and I'm glad that they yeah. showed it. I mean the I, I'm probably gonna catch him hate for it, but I like I think that like the 2009 movie probably one of the better representations of Spock that I've seen. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I just like, I I like that they delved into that. Still, that monolithic culture thing is just gonna, gonna it's just gonna keep being a problem here because it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, because I, I find it so fascinating to me that like we present, you know, um, Vulcans as like this super logical, hyper logical, only logic race. But then, Yo, they do some dumbass shit. Like, <laughs> they, <laughs> like, just like throughout the whole, like, whole of the series, like, yo, Vulcans do some dumb shit. And it's just like, I mean, it's probably like some, like, commentary on intellectualism and um, how false intellectualism is probably a problem. But, anyways, like, mm. It's just, it's, like, weird to me because they they are writing these characters like, I only function on logic and reason and whatever. And, like, then Spock's conflicts are all, like, I had an emotion. Yes! Yes! (laughs) I had an emotion, and I don't know how to deal with this. And then, like, Star Trek's, like, emotions are good because people good. (laughs) And it's, like... Yeah, yeah. It's, like, but then how do you reconcile that? Because, like, here's Spock... He's been given this. He's been put in this position that a lot of mixed race people are put in, where he's he's forced to choose. He has to choose human culture or mm-hmm. Vulcan culture. He goes 
he calls to the Vulcan Science Academy or he goes to Starfleet. And and then he continues to have to like prove himself to Sarek over and over and over for his entire life. It breaks down their whole relationship. They don't talk anymore. Like he finds out that his dad died from Picard. Yeah, that that was in unification, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that was so sad. And, and, and he's just kind of like, I'm sad. Okay. And then it kind of just moves on. And I'm like, yo, Picard had literally a better relationship with your dad than you did. And we're not really talking about why that's so problematic and fucked up. Like, yeah, we're not talking like, about like that. that. Like the conversation where like Picard had mind melded with, with Sarek, but like Spock never did. Ah, uh, I mean, I love, I do. I love Spock a lot. I think that it's, interesting that they decide like they could very well have just decided to make spock full vulcan like i don't really understand why they decided to make him half human because he operates as full vulcan Mm -hmm. on the enterprise but i am happy about it because it does add nuance to his character so it does it does make it makes me relate to him a little more and it it like shows flaws in vulcan culture it shows like it shows some some issues with Vulcan culture that are a big deal. Like, I mean, Vulcans are kind of racist. <laughs> so, like, it exposes that. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, one of the main problems I have with the Deep Space Nine baseball episode, <laughs> this is really random, <laughs> is that oh my they're God. like, he, I forget what that character's name is. <laughs> Yo, I haven't watched that in so Jeez. long. <laughs> oh, my God. That was the only episode when I watched Deep Space Nine that the person I was watching with said, oh, we can skip this one. And I finally watched it maybe a few months ago. And <laughs> the, they, it's like a throwaway comment. It's, it's you know, the, the Vulcan, you know, adversary to Cisco. Like, they didn't like each other in school. But he's, they just say, like, oh, yeah, he has an all-Vulcan crew. And I'm like, what the fuck? That would never happen. <gasps> Like, can you imagine a company that that's never like, happen. we have no women or we have like, we're all white. Like yeah. a ship that's nothing but no. Vulcans in Starfleet. I'm like, it seems like human resources needs to have him watch like a 20 minute video about diversity <laughs> in the workplace and initial here, here and here. Cause I'm like, that wouldn't yes. happen. <laughs> that absolutely would not. I mean, it's, it would be different if it was a Vulcan ship, but that's yes. a Starfleet ship. He only has a Vulcan crew or like an as, as, That's my yeah, biggest as problem with that episode. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, among other yes. things. <laughs> well, it, aside from the fact that it's just a baseball episode. And they're so mean to Rom. But Worf yeah. has the best line, which is death to the opposition. I like Worf as oh a my God. Stalker. fucking Worf. <laughs> I mean, that's how to sports, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. Back off. That's how I need to Yeah, sports. that's how you that's how you sports, right? I don't know sports. What are they? <laughs> I I think you like you do a thing with the ball and it goes into a place and then you get the points. Oh. Going going back to uh Spock, especially in TOS, I does Bones start to get kind of a little harass harassing to Spock? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of moments yeah. I Bones watch and I'm like, rude. this is kind of going a little too far. Yeah. So the thing with the original series is that, and actually the thing with all of Star Trek is that like, it's a product of its time. So sure. like, like they were doing, they could do those things and nobody was going to have a problem with it. You know, like nobody was going to tell them yeah. not to do that. They, it was like, it would be funny if Bones, who's grumpy, would just like uh, make fun 
of this other character for his race all the time and give him a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they they definitely took that they took that away uh, a lot in the mm, movies. Mm. The in the J and yeah. I have my own problems with the J.J. Abrams movies, but they didn't. For sure. It was just it's just it's more just like Bones being like, yeah. uh, like Spock annoys me for this reason or that reason, but it's not like damn Vulcans. <laughs> you know, it's 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 more like like Spock doesn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. You know, like. Like that's that's more the I'm thinking about that that in uh beyond when they're stuck together and they're it's it's more just like Spock is like, I don't get your humor and uh I don't really enjoy being around you and Bones is like same <laughs> and it's just like people, you know, instead of like Bones being like only a Vulcan would say something like that. Yeah. Or, you know. And and they were trying to emu- they were definitely trying to emulate that with Pulaski and Data. Yes, yes. They were more quick to call out Pulaski for being an asshole to Data than they were to call out Bones for being an asshole to Spock because Pulaski's a woman. It was easier to be like yeah. she's a bitch. But Bones is is just a country doctor. No. <laughs> like it's so it's so funny to me though because you know talking about Data though He's one of my favorite Star Trek characters because he's actually developed so much in so many nuanced, interesting ways. And it's like, okay, so you can write a nuanced robot, but you can't fucking like write like <laughs> write like women and brown people well. Oh my god, Josh, yes. There it is. There it is there. right there. Well, I mean, it's true. It's true. Well, that just boils down into like the potential of what these shows could be because they've done it with they've done it with other characters with characters that aren't representing anything real <laughs> yes yes it's true it's true it's true it's true the beauty like, of sci-fi d- right like you can do it you can do it with hugh you can do it with data mm. you know like here here are are characters that are not human or alien they're they're vessels again for themes and abstractions and when you try to put those themes and abstractions onto something from the real world that's when you start to have complexities that you need to be aware of and if you're not it can come out not not good (laughs) (laughs) i would just say it that way not lower low and everybody not good That's our tagline. I love, I love all these like understatements that have happened. Yes. <laughs> Lauren's like, it can come out not good. Josh is like, maybe don't do eugenics. <laughs> I'm gonna keep I it don't very, know. Gonna keep it very simple so that it gets across. Yes, yes. We've got to. We have lots of points to get across. Oh my god. So, so I kind of wanted to talk about how can we make some suggestions for Star Trek to do this better in the future. Like, cause I don't, what I, what I like would hope for is that they continue, like people who are in charge of, of Star Trek continue the journey of doing, trying to do their best, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I hope that there are more people involved in new Star Trek that are like making an effort because that's a continuous effort. Like we said before is, is one of the most important things, like not just doing one thing and then being like, I did it. Yeah. The thing that's different about Star Trek is that they keep trying. They're not like, we're going to have um, a character. 
I mean, to be really frank, it's nothing that we haven't already said, but I mean, get people in the writing room who do have different experiences, get black writers, get women, get trans people, get queer folk, get people who are mixed race, like get those people to write those characters. And even then, don't utilize that in a way where it's like, oh, well, this person, well, they identify this way, so clearly they represent everybody, because that's not how it fucking works. Like, not all... Nuance. Yes, like, not all of yes. us are the same. So that story that, you know, that's why you need multiple, you need multiple people of different backgrounds in the writing room. Like, because with so many intersecting identities, we don't have the same experience. Like, and like, it, like even just like different intersections of like, a like cis black male writer would write versus what a like what a trans male writer would write those are two yes. completely different they're going to have different perspectives on these things and that's not i mean that's not even to say you can have two cis black men in the room and they'll have different experiences so it's like different experiences yeah so there needs to be far more representation and also them having equal voices to their peers their voices should matter as much as every other white man in that room. And that means that white writers, hey, you're, for whatever reason, listening to this, you might have to give up some of your power. And that's going to feel not great, but that's what you got to do. That, that's, that's that. That's, you know, kind yes. of ignoring the, yes. a whole system that needs to be dismantled yes. because it's just inherently racist and sexist and awful. But that's, that's a thing that can immediately be done is, Hire fucking brown and queer people to write fucking characters. Uh. <laughs> take your own, take your own creator's advice. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. If you're if you're trying to write a show where that is one of the cornerstones of the world that you've built, then the people that mm -hmm. control the stories can't all look the same. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It it just it it makes it inauthentic, honestly. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, take your own dang advice. Take Gene Roddenberry's oh. advice. Take that white guy's advice that started this whole thing, who who like had some great ideas, who was problematic in some ways, but like, god dang, I love, love you, Star Trek. Do better. <laughs> I love you, Star Trek. I love you, Star Trek. Do a better job. Like there are part there there are moments in Star Trek that make me feel so happy and like like things are gonna be okay and like there are other moments in Star Trek where I'm like ah why <laughs> but but at the sometimes end of the those day moments are like mere seconds from <laughs> each other that's the worst part yes oh my god that is too real that is too <sighs> fucking real but but in general like all I want the the showrunners and creators and writers and directors and actors on the show to know and the the executives who are in charge of making putting this out everyone at CBS there is a very diverse fan base for Star Trek and there's a reason for that and mm -hmm. i would go as far as to say that like the diverse fan base of Star Trek is kind of special as far as the the world of television goes it is like all kinds of diverse and like we need you to know that and we need to see that you know that. XO, love you, Star and Trek. <laughs>
we're fighting because I love I you. <laughs> Any healthy relationship needs conflict. Yes, there to we grow. go. It's true. They say it's how you. They say when you stop you fighting, the love is gone. So I'm not. I don't know if I like that exactly. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like maybe you shouldn't be fighting. But exactly. Conflict. Yes. Conflict. Yes. Arguing. Yeah. Arguing. Two different things. Arguing. Um, and I, I kind of, I kind of really feel like as the white person, I should just shut up and listen. That's what we kind of need right now. Yeah. But, Lauren, uh, you've been um, doing a no, great just... job of that, though. Like you, I've like been watching your beautiful face, and you've just been like, I'm, he- I'm here, and I'm hearing, and I'm hearing, and I'm gonna say a thing when there's a spot for it and I'm just, I'm going to listen and it's just beautiful. Yay. That's good job. Good job. You're lighting real good right now. <laughs> Yay. Well, maybe, maybe I should phrase it differently because that would imply that like you're probably pulling some fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I will, I will say this. It kind of echoes points you guys both made. And this is sort of a step from Star Trek, but especially talking about people involved with projects where there's many layers and levels of people, um, to even step it back to a earlier stage in the creative process. Um, I, I teach, I'm a college instructor. I've been teaching for more than 10 years. And one thing I have learned is that students need to see themselves in the industry. And we're talking about people seeing themselves in Star Trek, but also when you are an instructor and even if you're doing a presentation, you know, I do illustrations, so you, your instinct is that, well, you're just going to be showing the art. They're, they're not going to see who created it, but, you know, students are smart. They, they, they follow contemporary artists on Instagram. They look them up. Mm-hmm. They, they get hints from names and stuff, and if, for instance, if I'm showing artists and illustrators or people in the industry, and there's, there's not there's not black people. There's not people of color. There's not people from the queer community. What is that? What am I telling those students? I'm saying there's not room for them in that industry. And so I also, you know, and so it goes, it goes even to that level where you need to be exposing students. Like you guys said, if it's musicians who go into composing music for Star Trek and other things, if it's people in acting, if it's people who are going to make film, um, or just go into that industry is, is you know, as I think instructors and institutions have a responsibility to to show diversity in the industry, you know? And it may mean extra work, you know, but if you can bring in guest speakers, if you can bring in faculty that look different from each other and come from different backgrounds and experiences, that is, that's always a good thing. Yes, 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 Lauren, yes. I want to thank Josh for being our very first guest on the podcast. I'm the first Oh my guest. god. Yeah. You're the first guest. You guys uh <laughs> I love you both so much. I it is very exciting to me that I have friends that are First of all, interested in talking about this very specific intersection of science fiction and representation of mixed race identity. <laughs> like that's it is so fucking specific. Uh and it's it's like it's just it's just so great to like have friends that are are so cool and like 
these like the things that I like and also like have the same problems with the things that we like (laughs) and are interested in like constructively discussing it. I will just say, Josh, before I forget that um, I I promise right here that we will invite you back to another episode where we're talking about maybe more lighthearted things like tribbles or not that this wasn't fun but give you a chance to experience a different flavor of the podcast so uh, we'd love to have you back Um, it would be really really fun to have josh on uh another episode that we do where we come up with fake star trek episodes oh i'm so here for it so basically you know when when you were talking about doing fanfic now we're going to just do group fanfic great yes 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 oh my god yes we're gonna okay so that's what we're gonna do um next time josh comes back they're gonna be coming back with a lot of really bonkers ideas about star trek episodes we're gonna we're gonna uh have a fanfic orgy just circle it back to the the sex thing that's representation though no I mean, I think it's important to have polyamorous representation. I never see that. Absolutely. <laughs> Although we're not saying that like poly yeah. people just have orgies. That's probably the wrong. No, way no. To go that could not be. Uh, that could not be more different than my own life. I don't. I mean, uh, also just want to put out there that orgies are probably a really bad idea right now. Oh yes, wear a mask <laughs> at least. <laughs> at I don't know. Wear a mask. I. I... <laughs> I don't know how you six I'm feet just, distance that, but you can't. I don't feel like you can. I don't. Is it t- like tantric? <laughs> That's it. You know? That's the podcast. No touching. <gasps> it's a. Oh. oh my god, you guys, are we writing like our first group fanfic? Oh my god, we're writing our first group fanfic. We're oh, so we're just jumping orgy. straight into erotica. Okay, I. Right. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> we all just really want to be touched. Okay. <laughs> I miss hugs so much. I miss hugs. Um, <laughs> but thanks so much for joining us, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Watch some Star Trek, but don't watch Code of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> or faces. Or faces. Don't watch faces either. Okay. Bye bye. Bye everyone. Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show, on Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. The fans of Star Trek are like a Dolly Parton concert. You just speak in straight Tennessee right now. <laughs> Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. The fans of Star Trek are like a Dolly Parton concert. You just speak in straight Tennessee right now. <laughs>